The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. My name is Dustin McGinnis. I am your host, and I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today we are going to be covering the Chamber of Secrets, Chapter 10, The Rogue Bludger. This chapter starts out with Gilderoy Lockhart bragging to his class and acting out his fight against the Wagga Wagga werewolf. Harry is often chosen as Lockhart's acting volunteer and partner. This time, Harry took his role very seriously. Harry wouldn't normally encourage Lockhart's behavior, but they need to keep Lockhart happy so that he can help them get the potion book from the restricted section. Essentially, Harry was doing something for someone only to get something else out of it. Can you talk about what type of behavior this actually is psychologically? It seems like a form of psychological manipulation, almost like a form of quid pro quo, but one that Lockhart is probably not aware of, where Harry's purposely trying to get him in a good mood so that he can then ask for what he wants. It is dishonest, you know, because Harry's certainly pretending. Very similar to the way that the Dursleys were doing in the Philosopher's Stone. Almost like a sycophantic kind of behavior to flatter Lockhart to kind of bring his guard down Mm -hmm. so that he can then ask for what he wants. That's a great tool to use against someone so narcissistic as Lockhart is flattery. And at the end of the class, Hermione is actually the one who does it. Her flattery is so convincing and awesome She skillfully kicks Lockhart's ass at his own game. I think it's beautiful the way that she flatters him. Once they do this and he signs the permission slip to get the book, they find out that the spell is extremely complicated. It is a very advanced spell that among many difficult ingredients requires a bit of whoever they want to change into. Ugh, essence of crab. Cheers. That's nasty. (laughs) That is pretty good. (laughs) But besides being nasty, Polyjuice Potion takes, like you said earlier, about a month to brew. What does following a plan like this suggest about following through with a plan by any means necessary? I think that to a large degree, Ron, Harry, and Hermione are impulsive in that they make rash decisions, but they're also really methodical in that they're willing to plan it out and wait a month 
to execute their plan. There's certainly a Slytherin quality here, right? Very mm-hmm. much, as you said, by any means necessary. They're going to find out the truth. And like the Gryffindors that they are, they're going to be very courageous about it. They're not going to let their fear hold them back. And they're going to protect the school from the error of Slytherin. Of course, once again, instead of talking to Dumbledore and creating some kind of safety precautions, they take matters into their own hands which doesn't always turn out well. So this chapter is called The Rogue Bledger, and it has to include some Quidditch stuff in it. At the beginning of the match, the Gryffindor Quidditch captain, Oliver Wood, gives the team a pep talk. He states that although Slytherin has better brooms than they do, the Gryffindor team has better people. How can this be a call to arms for those who lost hope due to lack of access and opportunity? I think this absolutely is a call for hope in terms of, yes, the opposing team might have all kind of flashy equipment, whether it's brooms or rockets or computers or what have you, depending on the context that we're talking about. But what Gryffindors have is hope, what they have is unity, what they have is each other, and that makes them a much better team. During the Quidditch match, there's a rogue bludger. Harry's got himself a rogue bludger. That's been tampered with, that ass. The bludger's going around and it's chasing Harry and it eventually hits him in the arm and breaks it. Thank you. Are you okay? No, I think my, I think my arm's broken. Not to worry, Harry. I will fix that arm of yours straight away. No, not you. Oh, poor boy, he doesn't know what he's saying. Now, this won't hurt a bit. Brachium. Emendo! Ah, yes. Well, uh, that can sometimes happen. Um, But uh, the point is, uh, you can no longer feel any pain. And (laughs) very clearly, the bones are not broken. Broken? There's no bones left! What does this say about overconfidence and the need to maintain that competent facade like Lockhart does in situations like this, even though he knows he doesn't know what the heck he's doing? Well, there's absolutely no accountability on his end. He jumps into the kind of situations where he has no previous experience. It's way outside of his realm of expertise, and he ends up doing a lot more damage than good. But he is way too narcissistic to admit that he has done something wrong because he's too preoccupied about boosting his own ego. Even when everyone else is pointing out that he's done something wrong, he's like, well, at least his pain is gone. But but so are all the bones in Harry's arm. People like Lockhart are actually extremely dangerous because they might not know the extent of their own damage that they can inflict on other people. And sometimes there's no limit as to the lengths to which that they would go to protect their reputation. That's scary. Very. (laughs) So when Harry is in the hospital wing, he is revisited by Dobby, the little house elf. Hello. Dobby. Harry Potter should have listened to Dobby. Harry Potter should have gone back home when he missed the train. It was you. You stopped the barrier from letting Ron and me through. Indeed, yes, sir. You nearly got Ron and me expelled. At least you would be away from here. Harry Potter must go home. 
Dobby thought his bludger would be enough to make Harry Potter see that... Your bludger? You made that bludger chase after me? Dobby feels most aggrieved, sir. Dobby had to iron his hands. You better clear off before my bones come back, Dobby, or I might strangle you. <gasps> Dobby is used to death threats, sir. Dobby gets them five times a day at home. I don't suppose you could tell me why you're trying to kill me? Not kill you, sir. Never kill you. This brings to mind someone who says they did something bad for someone, but it was for their own good. What do you think this is about? This is almost like what helicopter parents might be like sometimes in that they might be doing things for their kids and entering their kids into certain classes and doing homework and projects for them and believing that they're doing things for their kids own good, but actually not allowing their kids to learn. And so to me, the way I read it anyway, is a metaphor for someone who's trying so hard to protect someone else that they're actually causing harm. And so I think once again, we see that with well-meaning parents and, you know, even friends and other people, but it doesn't tend to work well. Yeah. In this section, we also find out that Dobby is a slave, but he can be freed by his masters if they provide him with a piece of clothing. Something as simple as a single sock. Why do you wear that thing, Dobby? This, sir, tis a mark of the house elves' enslavement. Dobby can only be freed if his master presents him with clothes. <gasps> what do you think this actually symbolizes? We're seeing a really powerful topic here. We're talking about slavery and... We're talking about something that is a really charged topic, a really important topic. There are people that are still being used as slaves, even in this country. You know, sex slavery is real and still mm -hmm. exists. And similar to Dobby, people are living in unlivable situations, not getting the care that they need. And their freedom is simple enough to grant, right? For Dobby, it would mean granting him a sock. For people in real life, let's say sex trafficking kind of situations, granting those folks freedom would be also fairly easy in terms of letting them go. But I think that the greed that the slave masters and sex traders engage in is so prevalent that it completely blocks these individuals access to empathy yeah so horrible so after talking with dobby harry hears voices and dumbledore and mcgonagall come in and they are carrying a petrified colin creevy the terror that is haunting the castle has now moved from cats to students and dumbledore finally admits that the chamber of secrets has been open what's happened there's been another attack. I think, do you know, I think he's been petrified. Madam Pomfrey, what can this mean, Albus? It means that our students are in great danger. What should I tell the staff? The truth. Tell them Hogwarts is no longer safe. It is as we feared, Minerva. The Chamber of Secrets has indeed been opened again. What does this say about ignoring simple precautions and not taking threats seriously? I think sadly we see that happening a lot. I think people might be overly optimistic about a threat when that might happen sometimes in schools where 
Somebody might threaten violence, for example, and teachers or security might not take it seriously unless something happens. Similarly, if a student, for example, is stating that they're suicidal, unfortunately, in some instances, teachers or other students might not take them seriously until it's too late. I think that this is a really powerful metaphor, at least to me when I read it, of how a lot of times there's not enough for teachers or other individuals to sound the alarm until a tragedy happens. Most definitely. It's wild. This seems like a very good opportunity for us to end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. If you're interested in finding out more about Harry Potter Therapy, you can check out Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day and stay magical out there, everybody.